Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. And hi to everybody else that isn't brewing right now. Or isn't a brother or a sister? Well, that pretty much includes everybody, at least unsurgically. Unsurgically. <laughs> and those in between brothers and sisters. Yeah, those that are trying to trans, you know. We, we love you too. Yes, of course. You know, another person we love, or an entity we love, I guess, would be Northern Brewer. Oh, yeah. Great people. They are. Great people, great place. Great sponsors. They sponsor the show. They they pay for uh, all this uh, this fine uh, programming that you get to hear from me and my buddy Tasty. And our inflated salaries. And our inflated salaries to go with our inflated egos or my, <laughs> my inflated ego. Yes, indeed. Northern Brewer uh, takes care of that. Uh, you can check them out. www.northernbrewer.com. They, uh, good products, good prices, good shipping, yep. uh, good very customer service. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, are, they are very professional. They know how to have a lot of fun. Oh, they do. We found that out. Uh, yeah, yeah. They know how to throw a party. Yeah, yeah. They, they uh, know how to have, have, a, have a good party and... Uh, and they're just they're just good guys to hang out with. I, I like those guys. You know, uh, did this trip to uh, Australia. Yeah. We've got uh, an Australian uh, sponsor uh, this show, and coming up here, we got a new sponsor, uh, Grain and Grape, oh. out in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I guess it's uh, technically like Yarraville. A first for the Brewing Network in general of all our oh, yeah. shows. Oh, our really? first uh, Australian sponsor. And they are, um, if, if we look at any of our web numbers or listener downloads, yeah. Australia is our second largest country. Pretty heavy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Only behind uh, the U.S. What? Well, because I think they, they they got a sense of humor out there in Australia. Right. It's just one of the reasons that they're able to... Oh, they uh, get us, huh? Okay. Tolerate us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, they, you know, they, they like to have fun out there and they, you know, they're... they're uh, they're good people. And speaking of uh, having a good time, uh, when I went out there, uh, you know, uh, John and uh, guy Phil, and they took a, took me out to uh, the uh, Australian uh, football uh, uh, game, and uh, it was uh, very cool. Hmm. They they uh, took me out there and for drinks, and I went by John's shop. Great shop. He's got a lot of lot of grains that uh, I don't, I think you know. Uh, Probably one of the best grain selections in all of Australia, if you ask me. Hmm. I mean, he had quite a few. It, it, it's better than uh, you know most of the homebrew shops I see here in the U.S. Yeah, I see. Huh. Um, and uh, you know, they started carrying like a crisp Maris Otter. Wow. So uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure that they had that. Uh, most of the brewers had that available to them in in Australia before. And if you're trying to make a good, uh, you know, uh, English uh, style beer, British style beer. Uh, you know, 
you want something like that uh, crisp floor malted uh, Marisol. Right. Now those grains are, are they available to the craft brewers in Australia? Is he peeling off of them, or is he getting it? Uh, I think he's he's getting it shipped uh, so? independently. I see. I mean, it does does good volume. So you mm-hmm. know, he's he's turning the ma- the materials over. Gets uh, nice fresh stuff. Everything I, I saw was fresh. So he has a wholesaler here that'll send him a container or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So check it out. They're uh, www.grainandgrape.com.au, and uh, yeah, John Preston, a nice guy. You know, like you like you treat all our uh, sponsors. Make sure you, you send them an email. Tell them tell them thanks for uh, helping sponsor the show, and uh, you know, check it out. Even if you don't get a chance to buy something, that's okay. But uh, you know, you should at least look at look at what they got to offer. And uh, if you get a chance, say say hi and say thanks. It, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, all our all our sponsors appreciate that sort of thing. And while we're while on the subject of appreciating that sort of thing, yeast book yeast book coming out. <laughs> Well, you're just teasing us here. We're, you know, we can't get it. So, I mean, well, like I the, mean, it's, it's coming out. Like, uh, are you you were lying before? Is that it? Uh, yeah, no. Is there really well, a book? The 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 first place you could possibly get it would be if you're willing to go to the GABF, buy a GABF ticket, stand in line, and you know, buy a the line. book there. Yeah, small line, line, line small line. Uh, These and, people and, are hired most of them. And buy the buy the book there, mm-hmm. or the the. Very next place to have the book is the Brewing Network. Made sure that they're going to ship those books directly from the uh, the book printing factory <laughs> to uh, to here. Well, and, uh, are these going to be signed? The, the ones out of here signed both by uh, Chris White and myself. Well, you're going to have to schedule that pretty tight in terms of the uh, oh, when they get here. Oh well, right? yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to pick up Chris and bring him over here. That's right. We give them to sign by both Chris and myself, wow. and you can buy them through the Brewing Network. You can actually uh, go to the store, and uh, if you're listening live, um, it's it's not there right now, but uh, uh, it, it'll be there soon. And you can you can pre-order the books. We'll get them signed for you. Get them sent out. If you uh, if you have uh, you know something you want us to to write in there for you, go ahead and add that into the notes. It'll, it'll be all right. Uh, just don't make it like three pages long, like like people did. Yeah, <laughs> just keep it be brief. reasonable. I'm not charging anything extra for that. Uh, so just, just something like I love just, you. Yeah, yeah. You, you, there's there's no extra cost for this. This is just uh, something the Brewing Network does to uh, you know uh, take care of you guys, and uh, your purchase of the books helps out the Brewing Network significantly. So uh, sign up, pick up a yeast book. I think it's a great book. A lot of great information in there. It's needed. It's gonna be great. Yeah, we're looking for that. Yes. All right. Well, and uh, you won't have to buy a copy. You know, oh, hint, hint. Uh, thanks know. a lot. Well, he's not getting his copy from the brewing now. <laughs> that's, exactly right. that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, <gotta know> that. <laughs> you won't have to buy when you have to steal one. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty good though. <laughs> yeah. You have to get yourself a little discount there. All right. <clears throat> um. Anyways, you know we're out in uh, Australia. And before Australia, I actually I went to New Zealand first. I went to Australia for yeah, the why uh, not? It's right down there. The Beer and Brewer uh, Expo. Oh yeah, uh, it's Beer and Brewer magazine. Uh, David Lippman, he uh, he puts on this expo there, which was really fantastic. I enjoyed it. A lot of people, a lot of great beers. Uh, I know, it had a it had a really cool vibe to it. It was, uh, you know, at, at times pretty crowded, but you know there were. A lot of brewers there hanging out, and you know a lot of great beers, and I I just loved the whole thing. It was it was really neat, mm. and uh, you know a lot of great places to to go hang out down there. And uh, but before that, I was in New Zealand, and I tried this really fantastic beer. 
Epic Pale Ale. And I tell you, it was perfect. It was flawless. It was one of the best American pale ales I've ever had in my life. It well, was, I'm so screwed because I can't make a beer that good. It Jesus. was freaking stunning. <laughs> this thing was so good. So, you know, I'm tasting this thing. I went out to meet up with uh, uh, a couple of a couple of guys at this this one uh, place, and uh, I had one of these things. And I'm thinking, you know, as soon as I taste it, I'm thinking, I got to get this guy in Kenya Brew it. I got to have the recipe for this beer. We've got to make this beer. It's fantastic. And so they told me it was uh, this guy, uh, Luke Nicholas, uh, from Epic Brewing there in Auckland. And they said, yeah, nice guy. He'll help you out. And it turns out he was at the Beer and Brewer Expo. So, you know, as soon as I saw him, I said, can I have some Epic Pale Ale? It was the first, first words out of my mouth. Then we can talk. <laughs> then it was, hi, my name is. Or, and then I said, can I have some more Epic Pale Ale? And, and you know, that was Every other sentence was pretty much going to have more epic. So you establish yourself as a fan, okay? As a leech, yeah, I, see. <laughs> I kept like more beer, please, yeah. more beer, please. And uh, he gave me, uh, let me sample uh, a bunch of uh, his beers. There, he had his uh, Armageddon IPA. Mm-hmm. He had uh, a, a stout. He had the pale ale. He had um, God, I can't think right now. But uh, one of the beers he had was this wood aged Armageddon, which. Uh, uh, they were calling it like Wood Geddon or, you know. And Geddon I said, Wood? Yeah, that's what I said. I said, you should call it Geddon Wood. Yeah. You know, I said it would, it would sell better if you called it Geddon Because maybe they don't use that Geddon thing there, down there, you know. <laughs> right, right. This is in New Zealand. I wouldn't have any idea. <laughs> I think they knew. They, you know, they, they knew what I was talking about when I said, well, you should call it Geddon okay. Wood. Anyways, uh, it was fantastic. He told me his process, and I was like, well, no, I, I don't think this is going to taste any good. And it was just. It was stunning. Mm. It was really well balanced. Mm. It was fantastic. As as was the epic and and uh, so I, I asked him. I said, you know, would you do? Can you brew it? Can I get your recipe? Can I get an interview? And he was extremely generous. And he was like, yeah, you know, no problem. We'll we'll go ahead and do it right now. So mm. a little bit of background noise because we're out there at this uh, this beer and brewer expo. But uh, it was great, great uh, to get that information from him and uh, get his help. So let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll hear an interview with uh, Luke Nicholas of Epic Brewing of Auckland, New Zealand. Back after this. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 1842 in the province of Bohemia. Yo, this era jerky. All the beers is murky. What ho, friends? A male alewife. I don't know what I'm doing, so I got this dark malt, yeah? More stinky dark beer, yeah. No, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Hi, a package from the future from Northern Brewer. Use the Pilsner malt, my good man. And the Sats Hop, sucker. They ain't noble like Queen Victoria, but you can use Sterling from Portland to Astoria. Let your war caramelize and let melanodins harmonize in a long boil. Keep your starter undercover with aluminum foil. Boo. And use a thousand bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping. And get your nasty ass bog myrtle back to the dark ages, brother Abelard. Hey, this golden lager with the happy hops pretty damn good. Thanks, time brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we did. 
Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Hi, I'm John from Grain and Grape in Melbourne, Australia. We've been supplying home brewers with equipment, ingredients and advice for over 20 years. We carry a great range of grain, hops, waves, liquid cultures and all the gear you need to make great beer from the most basic setup to a fully automated home system. We're all keen brewers, so drop in on one of our twice-monthly all-grain brewing demos and have a chat with Chris, Dan, Paul, Nick or Sam. We'll talk about brewing and recipes and systems and techniques all day. If you're squeezed for time or just dabbling in all-grain, try our range of artisanal fresh work kits brewed at Melbourne's very own Mountain Goat Brewery. We're very proud to be a major sponsor of the Australian National Home Brewing Conference. This year we've got Randy Mosher and Gordon Strong heading here for three big days in October. Mention the Brewing Network when you're ordering online or over the phone to receive freight free on your next order under 15 kilos. Check out our website grainandgrape.com.au for conditions and we'll see you at the conference. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedeshaf and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with Jamel. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewing network or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own, the how-to homebrew beer magazine. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. 
Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. You're listening to the Brewing Network. I'm here with Luke Nicholas, uh, first-generation brewer and uh, general manager Epic Brewing. Yes. In New Zealand, right? Where yep. in New Zealand are you located? Uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Auckland. A city where all the people live. <laughs> right. <laughs> on, on, on the North Island, right? Yep, on the North Island. I just went through... Uh, Auckland, and I came across your epic pale ale. Yep, and you had to follow me to Australia to uh, meet me. Exactly. It was well worth the trip. And I tell you, that epic pale ale is awesome. I love, God, the citrusy character, the the, uh, the finish on it, the malt character, the malt backbone, and you know, it's got a great dry finish. Yep, thank you. It's everything that a great pale ale should be, Yep, and more. It's, it's fantastic. Everybody was raving about it there. Everybody's raving about it over here in Australia. Yep. And um, I don't think I've... I, I may have actually already gotten some requests for this, but if our listeners haven't requested it, I'm requesting it. I love your beers. I've tried oh. all of them. I love them all. They're all fantastic. Right. Thank From you. From the oak-aged Armageddon. What? Starting at the top. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I don't know, the, the Pilsner, the, uh, you know, your Mayhem, uh, the, the, the Stout. Absolutely fantastic. Right. Very Thanks. impressed. Everything really well done everything's really well produced how did you get started in brewing how far back do you want to go um as from a little kid grew up with a grandfather who home brewed um i guess when, when did he start i think he said he started back in the war like back in the 40s just like getting ingredients together and just mm-hmm. making it in the, the washing tub and just uh, did that through his life so i just grew up with with that around me never mm-hmm. sort of had this idea in my head that i was going to be a brewer um, he gave me my first home brew kit mm-hmm. when I was 18, even though the drinking age in New Zealand was 20. He just said, hey, you seem, seem like you're, you're a bit keen in this. And so I got a home brew kit from him. Um, brewed on and off for a number of years while at university. I think that um, I had a, an initial experience into what beer could be like after spending a year at university in Sacramento. Went to Sac State. Um, had some friends going to Chico at the same time, so had a few treks, a few weekends up in Chico. And um, they had a beer up there that was locally brewed. And um, so the, my friends were just drinking the locally brewed stuff, and I tasted it and went, wow, what the hell's that? That's really bitter. It's got a lot of flavor. Don't know if I like that, because I'd been brought up on the likes of Steinlager and sort of mainstream, washed-out New Zealand brown beer. And... Um, I guess I tried it a few times and sort of got to the point where my palate could handle drinking it, but didn't really give it a lot of thought. It was just like, hey, you're a student, you're just going to drink drink beer because that's what everyone else is drinking. Um, on returning to New Zealand, kind of got into homebrewing a little bit more, but never really sort of scaled up beyond the sort of the kits or anything because there wasn't the ingredients available. There was no yeast, there was no hops, there was no sort of specialty malts to actually do anything. So I was just doing it out of as a bit of a hobby. Probably only brewed sort of 10 or 12 times a year and it wasn't really sort of on my radar. It was just a bit of a hobby and had a bit of fun that you could share with your friends and save a bit of money. I guess as right. a student you're in New Zealand, you look to, to save the money. Um, ended up graduating, working for an export company. They had an office in LA so I got a transfer to LA to, to work in their office and while I was there um, 
started discovering craft beer. It was going really well. That was back in 95, so there was a lot of brew pubs opening, little microbreweries opening, mm-hmm. and um, sort of went to them because there was a bit of interest. Joined a home brew club, which was uh, Steinfillers, and wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the things you can do with making beer, so... Okay. Went to the went to the um, homebrew meetings and sort of just started talking to people mm-hmm. about making beer and so very quickly went from like kits to sort of like sort of just adding some grain and steeping it with your sort of like your extract and then mm-hmm. just very quickly went into all grain and then started looking at hops and different yeast strains and sort of a little bit of a hobby became this major obsession so like every Saturday it was brew day and every Sunday it was um, bottling day and just mm-hmm. every weekend just back to back and sort of in between those times hours between sort of when you'd finish your bottling or something then you go to the, the local brewery and sort of talk to the brewer and try his beers and ultimately it got to a point where I was like hey how did, how did you guys get into sort of becoming a brewer mm-hmm. and the, the common message was hey just go down to your local brewery and ask for a job and I thought well that was obvious but <laughs> didn't really think of it um, after a year in LA I uh, moved back to New Zealand and um, a little brew pub had opened, been open three months in my local town mm-hmm. and uh, where I'd grown up. So I sort of moved back because family was there and I guess sort of after you've been travelling and been overseas a bit, it's sort of where you come back home and sort of then sort of regroup. But um, yeah, they'd been open so I went and asked for a job, sort of like second day I was back from sort of being overseas and they went, no, you're crazy, we've only been open, we can't afford to take on a, an assistant brewer at this stage. So basically every weekend I went down there and hung out with them, drank beers and mm-hmm. did brews with them, eventually got a job, and which was really well paying, and um, I sort of did the sort of sick days <laughs> and went and did brews with them during the week, and mm-hmm. after 12 months they said, hey, you seem pretty keen, we'll, um, we'll take you on as assistant brewer. So mm-hmm. I quit a really high-paying job to work for them for free for a couple of weeks and then got minimum wage and sort of like slowly worked my way up as um, they could afford it and mm-hmm. after nine months the head brewer left and all of a sudden I was thrown in the deep end hey you're now head brewer and mm-hmm. away you go so back then the, the brewery was a 25 hectolitre was that like 20 barrel mm-hmm. um, a lot of the stuff the specialty stuff we were doing was sort of only a half batch and so I, I had the flexibility to make anything I wanted which was really great yeah. um, it was many years ahead of where the New Zealand market was but there was such a need because everyone was drinking sort of one of the two major brands mm-hmm. and it was like what's a brew pub why are you making all these different beers wow this is really interesting so all these people were coming in and having a really great experience and it was I guess I'd already experienced that having lived in the States and having tried all that and I was just bringing that really great experience and going wow here's an opportunity for me to share what I had and to sort of make great beers and share it with people that have no idea and they all became fans and the the business did really well Um, I worked for them for nearly three years Um, ultimately started entering beer awards and winning awards and sort of right before I left I actually won Supreme Champion Beer of New Zealand at the inaugural New Zealand Beer Awards which was pretty cool and um, two months later I left left brewing for a while <laughs> went and worked for a, a website called realbeer.com mm-hmm. I was their business development manager for Australia and New Zealand so I was in this part of the world um, trying to help small breweries get onto the web and get them part mm-hmm. of the, the real beer network and to help promote them so that was back in the late 90s so I worked for them for um, nearly three years mm-hmm. until the uh, I guess the, the NASDAQ crash and then mm-hmm. sort of internet companies went whoa right, right. so they basically got rid of everyone that was um, sort of working outside of California, which, mm-hmm. which I guess made sense for sort of the business structure and how things work. 
but at that stage um, we'd already built out um, an e-commerce site I started selling beer online um, but I needed a bit more income so I went back to the brew pub I was working for which I haven't named it was the Cock and Ball mm-hmm. um, they've now got five pubs and um, a large brewery so they're doing pretty well with, with those beers um, oh where am I where am I um, so they, they had a few issues with quality after I left and they went through a number of brewers that was a bit of a nightmare for them the quality of the beer had sort of tanked and they said oh can you come back and sort of oversee quality sort of do quality assurance and make sure that the, the beers are at a good level and mm-hmm. and then one thing led to another and they said oh well would you mind making our specialty beers for us and then could you make our sort of oh it was seasonals first and then make the specialty beers and then things just progressed and then all of a sudden it was like they were opening more pubs and they said oh we had a meeting and it was like, well, what options do we have to go forward? I was like, well, we can get a bigger brewery, we can expand the brewery we've got or buy another brewery. And sort of at that stage, we'd moved sort of the lager and wheat beer production to a, a larger brewery, mm-hmm. which was still sort of a, a large micro, um, who were focusing on the value or budget end of the market and trying to compete with the large brewers, and they weren't doing very well financially. Mm-hmm. So the Cock and Ball pub chain basically said, I said, well, let's make them an offer to buy their brewery. And that was on the condition that I'd be the general manager. Mm-hmm. So I moved into that plant, and then we moved all production to the to the bigger brewery, which is the brewery I use now for Epic. Um, and that was called Auckland Breweries. It's now called Steam Brewing Company. Um, so my role was basically to make the business profitable, don't run out of beer, win awards. Mm-hmm. So, and beyond that, the owners didn't really want to see me. It's just like, okay, go, go to it. Mm-hmm. You meet that criteria, we're That's happy. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when I looked at, well, we need to be profitable, we had moved from a 25-hectolitre brewery into a 100-hectolitre brewery. Um, that meant that there was a huge amount of capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I identified that maybe we could create a, another brand outside of the pub chain, mm-hmm. and that ultimately became Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we created Epic, and we, it was just specifically the paler. We only launched one beer to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, that was initially packaged in December 2005. We didn't really have a strategy on how it was going to go to market. We didn't have a sales team. It was just like, got all the packaging, we made the beer, we bottled it, and we're mm-hmm. just sharing with friends and family, just getting feedback, what do you think of this, and um, sort of did a second batch. And So we had sort of beer on pallets in the brewery, and it was like, well, we've we got to get a plan here. And then all of a sudden, well, it wasn't all of a sudden, we made a the decision to enter the bear into the New Zealand Bear Awards and um, it won Supreme Champion so mm-hmm. there's another Supreme Champion award and all of a sudden the phone just was just ringing everyone wanted this bear because right. the judges were going they thought the bear that they had judged the Supreme Champion was a bear from like Oregon or just somewhere where there's big <laughs> crazy hops were coming right. out of this bear and then they find out that this is new bear that was created by me and it's like <laughs> epic pale ale and they're going oh my god we didn't realise that a bear this big was being made in New Zealand and all of a sudden the media wanted to know about it everyone wanted to stock it so we just had this really great start which was like totally un- I didn't even plan it it was just like yeah. hey we'll just enter it in the beer awards and see how it goes And you know it's it, high quality beer I, I don't I don't think uh, any amount of marketing or any plan will really do as well as having a really high quality beer that everybody loves to you know once you taste it you're like oh my god I gotta have more of this you know yeah, and that and, yeah. and then everybody starts talking about it and I think that makes uh, you know. I, I think that there's probably two things to my philosophy with, with brewing and it always has been from day one it's um, tracking down finding the best ingredients you can mm-hmm 
no compromise on price. It's just like, hey, that's going to cost like top dollar to, to get whatever you need. Doesn't matter because at the end of the day, right. you're paying like a little bit more or maybe even a lot more, but it works out at pennies per pint. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, why would you compromise to go, okay, the difference between buying the best malt and the cheapest malt? How much does that work out a pint? It's mm-hmm. like it's pennies. Why, well, why would you? Why would you compromise? And, and that's that's why the beer is so good. And if if somebody's going to a pub or something, and they want to buy a beer, they're going to buy your beer because of that slight difference. That yeah. uh, you know. Or, and, I, and I guess the other. It's not a slight thing. difference. It's a great. It's a huge difference. I cannot tell you how much I love this beer, and how I think that it's the equal of the greatest pale ale you might have in the United States. This is this is that good. Wow. You know, there Thanks. is there is no other pale ale that is better than this. You know, you may quibble, uh, you may have a preference for you know well, one I, over another, but this is I'd have to thank is one of the top the US and the, the my travels and all the different beers I've tried and, and all the other breweries that are making really great beers because they've influenced me a lot. Because mm-hmm. in this part of the world, we are 20, 30 years behind. Okay, maybe not that far. Maybe it might be 10 or 15 years behind where the U.S. is now. Mm-hmm. And um, because I travel to the U.S. probably once a year and just trying different beers, and I'm influenced by what's happened there and what's happening there now, and it's um, it's just so exciting. It's not like I'm going to go out and find a beer and go, I'm going to copy that. It's like I look at beers and go, oh, I like a little bit of what they've done in that one and, and something else, and I, and I just look for influences, and it's just like... Oh, I really enjoyed maybe that hot flavour in combination of with that, and just sort of like deconstructing it out of just drinking a pint and going, oh wow, I really enjoyed that. But if I took that back to the brewery, I'd probably bring this idea and this and and gr- create something else. Mm-hmm. So this the epic pale is just a bunch of different experiences of, of drinking really great beer, and I guess it goes right back to when I tried Sierra Nevada the first time and the second time and the tenth time and the hundredth time. It was like I think they've contributed so much to mm-hmm. brewing industry on the planet right now mm-hmm. but it's it's all of the people that have been influenced by them and they've gone out and done different things right. and I've been influenced right. by them and mm-hmm. and pro- probably because being in this part of the world I came back to New Zealand and was just like I have to make these beers because I can't buy them anywhere no one's making them mm-hmm. and it's like it was it was out of necessity right. and that's, that's also sort of the other factor that I consider is like I make beers for me first and it's pretty much like I'm not making it to style. I'm not making it to copy anyone else. It's like, these are the flavors I want. I want them in my mouth. I want to enjoy them. I want these aromas. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is it going to take to, to build a beer and not be sort of driven by, oh, i got to enter it into these beer awards and it has to fit into this box. All right. Um, the Epic Pale Ale has been entered into awards like the World Beer Cup. I get feedback going too hoppy for style. And it's like, well, <laughs> I enter it as an American Pale Ale. And it's like, well isn't that supposed to be hoppy and then it's like well if it's too hoppy then what's the next one up and then all of a sudden it's like you're into America's strong pale ales or American IPAs yeah. but it's not that big there's it's not, not, enough, there's not no. enough malt there's not enough alcohol and it's like well where does it fit and once again it, it sort of like straddles all these styles and it's like well I, I can never win anything with it because it's like it's a really great beer but you can't judge it within a box and say right. these are the style guidelines well it doesn't fit into anything nicely yeah, so I, you know I would say it's just a it's a fantastic American West Coast Pale Ale with a twist. I don't know. It's it's slightly different. It's but it's 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 well, fantastic. It, it, it uses yeah. English malt, so right, there's right. probably a big twist there. <laughs> where I guess a lot of uh, craft breweries use North American malt, right? Domestic two row. Yeah. Well, and so this beer now 
you know, you brewed it for to have a great pale ale to drink in New Zealand. Yeah. But now you find there's such a demand that uh, you're exporting this to Australia and also to the U.S. now, yep. right? And I've got a request for Sweden of all places. It's like, I'm sure. I just got to get my brain around. People why like, would I? Sh- <laughs> people like quality beer the the, the world around. So where else are so? Currently, you can find it in New Zealand, of course. Yep. You can find it in, in Australia, yep. and you can find it in the U.S., yep. and it's Shelton Brothers in the yep. U.S.? Yep, Shelton Brothers in the U.S. And, um, and where else? In the U.S.? Uh, or where else can you find it in the in world? The world um, Sweden coming up. Sweden coming up. <laughs> Rock on, Sweden. Um, yeah, we've had some interest from Canada and a few other places, but we're just really focusing on mm-hmm. Australia and a bit in the U.S., just to not to spread too thin. Don't right. want to like rush out and try and conquer the world. It's like sure, let's just sure. focus it so the beer stays fresh. And that, that's a big thing for me. It's like in New Zealand, I've pretty much nailed it now. So mm-hmm. um, if you can find an epic pale ale that's more than two months old in the bottle, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. Like it usually turns over and like it, it'll be out of the brewery and be sold and drunk within mm-hmm. four weeks. And freshness is really really important to me, and especially well, when you've got a beer with just such big hop in it. That, that I want oh, yeah. everyone to have a really, really awesome experience when they try it. Right, right. So Well, and, you know, I had an awesome experience, and so I want to be able to clone this beer. I, I, I can't wait for enough distribution to satisfy that need to, uh, to be able to have this beer. And I can't fly to New Zealand that often. To, no, it's, it's a long way. <laughs> I but hate that I, flight to, but to the States. You, <laughs> when I, you know, that was the first beer I tasted in New Zealand where I was like, oh my God, you know, I had no idea they were brewing this good a beer in New Zealand. It made like the whole trip all of a sudden was like, it's going to be completely okay. worth it. It's like, oh, wow, wow. I was excited. I was, it's I, not all just mountains and sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was excellent. All right, and so. <laughs> You can help us uh, with with a recipe on this. Yeah, I can. Okay, so why don't you start us off with uh, what's what's the starting gravity on this? Starting gravity, ten fifty two. Ten fifty two, and where does it finish out? Uh, sort of around uh, the ten twelve, ten eleven. Okay. So. Yes, ballparkish because I'm always slightly tweaking with the recipe. Mm-hmm. Just, just always playing around with. Um, just that finish, and because mm-hmm. you get your different years of hops, and I don't know, there's, there's always something to, to play with just slightly, and, and there's always learning. It's so, okay. sometimes you just absolutely nail it, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's like eh, maybe shouldn't have pushed that a little bit too hard, and, <laughs> and just playing around with dry hopping too. So anyway, back to gravity. Yep. Okay, and then uh, IBUs. Um, uh, IBUs are 45. Color is generally around 18. Okay. EBC. Okay. And then uh, what about uh, the malts that are used in this? The malts, um, most of the time, mm-hmm. pretty much all the time, I'm using uh, Golden Promise from Beards uh-huh. out of the UK. Um, also using their caramel. What's the caramel at? I think the color on that is around 35 EBC. Mm-hmm. Um, using, I occasionally change from Carapils or Carahel from uh, Wyman. Mm-hmm. And. Also, a little bit of light crystal from Beards. Oh no, Thomas Fawcett, I've changed to. Okay. Yeah. What, what are the amounts on those? Uh, that's really good. I knew you were going to ask, ask that. Um, <laughs> I was going to try and work it out in, uh, in percentages. Should we have a timeout? And, uh, no, you can uh, send it to whatever, whatever values you know. Values. Um, oh, total grist is about one, is 1,500 kilos of that. 
100 would be light crystal 150 would be the Kara Kara malt and the Kara hell would be about 50 kilos mm-hmm. so you can work out percentages okay, on that for, sure. from 1500 grist uh-huh. to oh. those okay and what's your your brew length brew length is netting 8000 okay and then uh, liters <laughs> right uh, cubits. <laughs> okay. And then what about uh, mash temperature? And do you do single infusion on this? Yep. So goes in. Oh, we do a 55 um, protein rest for 10 minutes and then mm-hmm. take it up to 68 and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then again, when you've got different efficiencies in your brewery, so it's there, right. there are some points, but we have sort of longer times to get up there. So mm-hmm. there's other things that happen through it. So. Mm-hmm. And, and what about the water? Do you do you do any um, adjustments of the water? And what's the water typically like? That water is very, very soft. It's all rainwater. comes out of reservoirs. Mm-hmm. reservoirs. Um, so we filter that for um, particles, chlorine, and then it goes through a UV filter just mm-hmm. for extra any bugs. So. Do you add back any minerals, gypsum, anything uh, like that? A little bit of um, calcium chloride, but it, mm-hmm. it's just minimal. It's really depending on the water on the day, so it's... Mm-hmm. Pretty much just local water. Hardness is really, really low, and okay. so it's it's just the local water, okay. and it's just slightly, yeah, it's subtle really. And once again, we play around with that too, just for mm-hmm. just for playing with sort of the hops, and mm-hmm. it's more of an experiment. Okay. So ultimately, it's just just local water. Right. And what about the hops? What's the uh... the hops are all U.S. grown Cascade, hundred percent all the way through. They're all Cascade, one hundred percent Cascade. It seems. Far more complex than that, it really does. Yeah. And what what, what about uh, uh, what's your boil time? Um, boil time is ninety minutes. Uh-huh. And when do you do your first edition? Uh, Seventy five. Seventy five. And how big an edition is that? Uh, actually, been playing around with first wet hopping too, mm. but it's really how I feel on the day, and I don't think it gives a whole lot. Right. So Man. it's sort <laughs> of like you. it's like first wet hopping, hot side aeration. It's like I guess one of those right, right, one, right. one of those horrible things that left over from my home brewing days is like, oh you don't want to do that. It's like how much effect does that really have? Yeah, yeah. Play around with it's like meh dunno. Mm-hmm. So you do a seventy five and how how big an addition is that? Um, I have four additions in the kettle. Uh-huh. So we've got a seventy five, a thirty, a ten and a zero mm-hmm. minute four in the boil. Uh-huh. And then another addition in the Whirlpool. Mm-hmm. How long do you Whirlpool? Um, about 20 minutes. And 20 minutes hot? Yeah. Okay. And then, so what are the size of those additions as far as... Uh, yeah, you're going to nail me there. <laughs> kilos, grams? Um, yeah, I'm not going to be able to remember. Cubits? Cubits, uh, off the top of my head. How many cubits of hops do you use? it. Can I send that to you or I've got to yeah, get it off yeah, the top of my head? You can send it to me. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, probably a first edition of two and a half kilos. Um, 30 minute is probably around five or so kilos. Um, the last couple of editions are like 12 and 15. Mm-hmm. And these are pellets or hot pellets, flour? Pellets. Pellets. Okay. Um, Alpha's running around seven, seven and a half, I think, on the stuff we've got right now. Okay. And then do you do any dry hopping? Or? Yeah, that's where it all happens. Okay. Epic is all about... Like you taste this after fermentation, it's like, oh wow, that's a really nice pale ale, uh-huh. and then it we epic up. Okay, so uh, so we've got two additions, um, yeah. probably a couple of points before terminal. Mm-hmm. We'll um, throw in about twenty kilos, mm. 
and then once that finishes out, then we'll put on cooling for about five days and then add another 20 kilos. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how about fermentation? Fermentation, um, so you need the yeast strain. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Ale 2 from Way Yeast, 1272. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, that we started at 18, let it go up to 21, mm-hmm. and then we've got temperature control at 21, uh-huh. so it'll just go up and uh-huh. does a nice job. Okay. Anything else we should know about uh, attempting uh, to brew a beer as great as this? I don't know. I think, think a lot of it's just like keeping it pretty simple. That's why I just wanted to use one hop just to mm-hmm. like really highlight the cascade. Just trying to keep things simple without mm-hmm. like getting all complicated on everything. It's just like it's a simple mash temperature, just good clean hops for your bitterness through the kettle. Um, really good ferment, clean ferment, finish out well, and then just like boom, fill out with hops. Mm-hmm. And just that's where you get your massive aroma, massive flavor. <laughs> On, on top of a really great beer, which yeah. is pretty basic, and it's just like... You know, I, I, I'm finding more and more, the more of these interviews I do, when it's a beer I really love. You know, simple was really one of the ways that, you know, everybody is stressed. You know, I'll keep it simple. You know, I, I really don't want to do anything complex because it makes it harder to do it perfectly, I think. Yeah, you know, if and, you, and I think it's, it's... Once you add all that level of complexity, then... There's so much going on in your palate. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this is just, I guess, celebrating Cascade hops. Malt just like, and hops and Yeah, it's just having it's a really nice background of the malt. It's nice and clean. And it's perfectly fermented. Crank the, the hops on top of it mm-hmm. and just go, we're celebrating hops here. Okay. But it's clean and drinkable, cleans out on the palate well. I love this beer. I really do. You know that from all the, the beer I've been begging from you here at the uh, begging, me beer, begging. Beer, and, uh, beer and Brewer Expo. I've been like, uh, yeah, my glass is empty. Uh, can I have a little more? Can I have a little more? No, it's just sharing. It. But, hey, I'd love to live in a world where I didn't have to sell beer. It's just like right, share right. with people that appreciate it like you. Yeah. Well, I, I hope everybody gets to try this and gets a chance to, to really appreciate it like I do. Yeah. Cool. Right. Thanks. Thank oh, you. Should we throw out the uh, AussieHomeBrewers.com.au? Sure. There's a... Uh, recipe and a thread there that's already oh, yeah. we've talked about the clone so mm-hmm. there's probably a few more details there on some temperatures and other things that I probably went into a bit more detail with them because they were trying to guess the recipe and mm-hmm. sort of I picked up on it through a Google alert that mm-hmm. people were talking about it just jumped on the forum and went hey you guys are pretty close you just need to change right. this malt here and add this much more hop here and yeah. you pretty much got it so there's pretty there's basically a, a recipe for epic mm-hmm. pale ale there all the best brewers are so free with their information. They're like, well, you know, you'll, you're going to come up with a, a million more great beers. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing, too, it's like everyone can have a, a go at making it, but right. you've just got so many variables just from your equipment. Mm-hmm. And like I talk to people about different yeast strains that I've used, and they go away and use it in their brewery, and it's like didn't perform the same yeah. way. It's like, well, it's the configuration of your tank, right, and you right. just you just got all these other variables happening in different brewing equipment that you're going to get pretty close. But you might not t- totally nail it. We always have to do that. We have to adjust for size of tank versus temperature. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can go a much warmer temperature with uh, with those tall uh, cylinder conicals. Yeah. You know, and the homebrew tanks just don't handle it. And you end up with a really hot, yeah, estery, fusely beer. So. Yeah, but uh, I, people say to me, "Well, how'd you go from homebrewing into, I guess, being a commercial brewer?" And it's like the hardest thing for me was 
just learning the equipment mm-hmm. when you arrive in the new brewery is like wow where does that pipe go and when I turn right. this valve on does it dump on the ground or am I going to kill myself yeah. with this thing <laughs> so and for me that's that's the hardest part it's like you understand the basics you know how to make really great beer the next challenge is going to be how do I make this equipment mm-hmm. make that beer on this scale right. it's just like you've got to understand the plant and how it works and once you've nailed that you're good to go Thanks a bunch. You're welcome. Thank you. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerone's are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a Certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerone's are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, uh, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. This month, More Beer wants you to meet Darren Schleth. I've been with More Beer for 15 years. More Beer partner and manager of the manufacturing shop. I've been home brewing for 15 years. I've been all grain brewing for one year. I took home one of the flat 10-gallon systems to do some more of the testing with what we do at the shop. Darren heads R&D for all of More Beer's great innovations. My favorite part about working at More Beer is designing and coming up with new products, like our redesigned conicals with the pressurizable lid. Pretty excited about the way 
way it turned out. So what five things are you going to put on sale for us this month, Darren? The five favorite things I like to brew with is uh, the Ultimate Conical. It has a little more cooling power. Beer Kit 2, Olin and I started with it. I like the fact that it has a carboy so you can see the ferment. The yeast harvester so you can collect your yeast for the next batch. Keg pressure engage to transfer beer keg to keg. And the glass scrubber to clean glasses a little bit easier. Get to know Darren this month at morebeer.com. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put you're some sugar know. and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. <laughs> now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. We're uh, <coughs> sampling Epic Pale Ale, and uh, this it was Tasty's challenge, Tasty's uh, clone attempt of Epic Pale Ale during the uh, mm. during the break. We had a nice long interview, so it gave us a chance to uh, drink lots of both. And uh, let's cut right to the chase here. Uh, let's go with Justin first. What did, what did you think? Uh, clone? Not clone? Well, I agree with you that it's a great pale ale. For uh-huh. one, um, I like that a lot. And despite a couple differences, I do think it's cloned. Uh, purple smiley face here uh, is a little cloudy, as always. What I think is Tasty's beer, green smiley face, has that crystal clear activity that, mm-hmm. that Tasty always has. It, you know, I don't know how he manages to filter even more clear than the big guys, but he does every mm-hmm. time. But I think without that, the color is actually identical. And... I think what what I think is Tasty's has a, a more kind of crisp bitterness to it. It's real sharp, but I do still get the same amount of bitterness mm-hmm. in in what I think is the epic pale ale. I just think it probably rounded out with a little bit of age. I don't know how long yeah. it took to get oh, here from New Zealand. Are, people but, are going to whine and complain about the age. As I said that. Yeah. Well, but I think, and, and I've said this a lot on the show where I can't tell that mm-hmm. they're cloned because they're different. Right. I can tell that this is cloned still. I right. can tell that the bitterness is the same, the IBUs are similar, the aromas are the same. So I'm not complaining about the age factor. Mm-hmm. I'm just actually pointing out that uh, there's just a crispness in Tasty's. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I can see right through it. I right. think they're cloned. I think it's exactly right. So, cloned Tasty. Thanks. Well, and I I, I got to go the same way. I, I think these are cloned, and, and I, I think part of the haze initially in the one was uh, chill haze mm. when it was real cold. Because yeah, now, now that it's warmed up, they're... That's a good point. <laughs> they're much closer. And, uh, you know, there's just a, a very slight haze in, uh, in the one versus the other. And, uh, yeah, I think it's... I think they're, they're dead on. Um, the... Commercial example uh, was shipped over in February, so here we are in August. So you got to expect a little something, but it's amazing how well that's held. No, up. it's held up really well. I would, I would still, I would still buy that and, yeah. and drink it very happily. I'd buy it again. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good stuff. That's good. So uh, I call it cloned. Um, uh, Tasty, what's your what's your take on it? My take is my vote doesn't count. That's right. But uh, if, it did, if it did... This is not a democracy. If it did count, uh-huh. um, I definitely I, I think they're very close. Uh, 
I think uh, the uh, the hop crispness that I think we're getting in mind is probably like might something you might also say the beer is green, like it's mm-hmm. really young, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it took it took an extra like five days to make this beer because it, you, you like double dry hop it, so you oh. spend an amount of some half the dry hop goes in right and the secondary and then after five, five days and then i added uh another second dry hop edition mm-hmm. not that i mean it was it's a big pile of cascade soup you wouldn't believe how much uh <laughs> cascade goes in this thing well i made a uh 18 gallon batch the recipe we're, we're talking about yeah. here today is for six so i tripled it right mm-hmm. and i think the there's about nine uh, nine ounces of uh, hops you know, in the six uh, in the six gallon batch, mm-hmm. so wow, twenty seven ounces of Cascade in one. You know, well, except the dry hop, but in at dry out time, I had to put, had to put like six ounces in twice. Wow, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bunch of Cascade. <laughs> so anyway, it was a big hop thing. Anyway, the beer itself, uh, yeah, I, I I do get the, uh, the the difference in the edge, and and I, you know, I always go back to what our gold standard here is. What would I change about the recipe yeah. or process? Nothing. To make the beers closer together, I don't think right. it, there would be anything. So. Right. Well, and we're we're picking at nits always. We're always trying to find something. Yeah. You know. Um, <clears throat> well, and and the the thing that fascinated me about this, and <laughs> Justin, you mentioned it. Tasty, you mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, guys on the forum that he mentioned, they mentioned it. Um, this doesn't seem like just Cascade hops. Right. If you told me, you know. If it was somebody else and they were like, well, no, I think it's, you know, just Cascade, I would have said, well, you're full of crap. You don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, he told me it's all Cascade. I'm like, wow, I'm I'm just, I'm stunned. Because it's got a real spicy, kind of almost peppery kind of hop character to it, as well as the citrusy and all that. It's much more complex. Yeah, there's more going on than just Cascade, right? Yeah. My, my first comment to Tasty, just upon yeah, spelling it, was, was, wow, what a wonderful combination of hops. <laughs> the first thing I said, and Jamil laughs and goes, I know, but it's not a combination. Right, yeah, combination being yeah. Cascade and more Cascade and more Cascade. Because it is, it's really complex and deep uh, yeah. from yeah. the citrus to the spice. Right. I never would have thought it was possible. Yeah. See, you know, that's what I love about this show. I'm always learning something new. You know, just when I thought... I knew all the ingredients really well, well enough to, you know, to say, you know, how to make a certain type of flavor and character. You come across something like this and you say to yourself, oh my God, you know, this does something different than I thought before. It was like with the Nugnia 100, uh, <laughs> no crystal beer. you know, I would have swore there was crystal malt in there and there wasn't. And it's, but it had that flavor and it's, it's just amazing the things you learn off of this show. So mm. that's why I really enjoy doing this. I think, I think it's fantastic. Well, uh, you know, I'm sorry, throughout this, uh, like even the last year, I'm, I'm focusing much more on uh, late editions, Whirlpool editions. Yeah. Uh, that I wasn't even thinking hardly about, uh, and I would do a token amount, but I, I think like like this beer in particular, I think that's a lot of what's going on here. There's like flame out editions, a whirlpool edition, lots of big dry hop. I mean, the I think those kind of things are like a little different than our normal procedures that mm-hmm. that I've been using, and I'm getting a, a, as the crapper is that we're talking to, they're doing more late charges as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was going to be my question was that I hope you I, I was hoping that you guys would talk about why this one is different and more complex. And, and it sounds like it, it, 
maybe it just layers in <laughs> well, such a way yeah. because of all these different times that you add well, it. Well, exactly. If the hop's going to produce one thing at this point in temperature, yeah. and it produce another thing at this point in temperature, then obviously you're going to get the full spectrum of what's available in that hop. And then even again with the differences in time with dry hopping, if you're doing yeah. it for, you know, and one... Well, the, the second one was cold, see? So Got it. A warm one for five days and then a cold one for five days. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, just the way it layers, it's interesting. Let me let me go over the uh, the hop schedule here, and then we'll come back and we'll do the rest of the recipe after her uh, after a short break. But uh, for six gallons at the end of boil, uh, you'd have seven grams of of Cascade pellets at seventy five minutes. That's a, these are all at seven point five percent alpha acid. Uh, Fourteen grams of Cascade at thirty minutes. Thirty four grams of Cascade at ten minutes. And then uh, 42 and a half grams at zero minutes. And then um, the Whirlpool for 20 minutes. Or no, that's zero. And then they do another uh, 42 and a half. And they Whirlpool for 20 minutes. And then uh, the dry hopping. The first dry hop is uh, 57 grams. And then after uh, uh, several days, then you do another uh, 57 grams of dry hopping. That one's cold. He crashes it on the, on the second dry hop. Right, right. So uh, I think that's that's a big reason why there's that hop complexity. But you still wouldn't think that that was possible. Well, I mean, yeah, I, just live and learn. You know, I, yeah. I would never. I, the recipe, if I saw this recipe and said all of Cascade. That says, well, I probably wouldn't brew this. But right, right. No, yeah, I might brew this yeah, again. Yeah, you'd, you'd like, well, no, let's mix it up. Let's, yeah, let's put right. some different I kinds of hops that. in there. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah cause you want to, and, and th- those beers do work out well, and you do get right. different kinds of complexities. Um, Tom Young up at uh, Great Basin, I was asking him what's the secret for his icky, his ichthyosaur uh uh, IPA, and he's like, well, you know, you you need the the citrusy and all that, but you want to layer that with, you know, the floral with the, uh, mm. you know, with the piney with, you know, those other kind of spicy kind of characters, and and get a kind of a layering of hop character, and, and that really you know stands out. Mm. And you don't have that here, but you have a complexity that just, you know. Well, you have. I, I would think that, like, for instance, like when you you mentioned. Uh, layering both citrusy and floral hops. I, I personally, I get some conflict when when you mm-hmm. do when you're mixing floral and uh, citrus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, and you and you could have some conflict when you're mixing you know Columbus and uh, and uh, Simcoe. Mm-hmm. Well, with you know when you're using a single hop, you're not going to have that. Everything is going to fit you know c- congruently with everything else. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. there everything's going to be connected. There's not going to be any conflict per se. Mm-hmm. So you could get, I don't know, a um, just a more like streamlined, a more smoother flavor curve through mm-hmm. the beer without any maybe harsh bumps in there because of yeah. uh, something that both hops would might have in common that are their flaws or something like mm-hmm. that, like Kohuman and Level or something. Yeah, I was just blown away by this beer. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, let's uh, take a short break, and when we come back, we'll give you the rest of the recipe and wrap this up back after this. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 19th century Burton-upon-Trent. Ah, Merry England! Something is amiss, my friends. Be on guard! Are these casks of white Zinfandel will stand the Queen's men in good stead in far Bangalore? Oh, hell no! Blush wine out of Britain be worse than microwaving a kitten. Maharaja Dodgers drinking pink be vomiting predominant on the subcontinent. 
Oh, dear, you can't drink blush with Vindaloo. Oi, what should I do? Ship hogsheads of this high carbonate water? <laughs> no, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Well, bless me. A parcel from the future. From one northern brewer. Use this malice alter, my good man. EKG at a high rate per barrel make ladies wet like Colin Farrell. Now quit Burton ruining the Burton Union and get Burton brewing. Forgettest thou not the bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping. And keep that nasty-ass bog myrtle inside your sackcloth, Brother Abelard. My stars, but this India Pale Ale is better than wine. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we dead. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Brewers Publications is proud to announce their newest release, Yeast, the Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation by Chris White and Jamil Zanishef. The Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation is a resource for brewers of all experience levels. Chris and Jamil thoroughly cover yeast selection, storage, handling yeast, and how to culture yeast. Learn how to set up your own yeast lab, the basics of fermentation science and how it affects your beer, plus step-by-step procedures, equipment lists, and a comprehensive troubleshooting guide. Professionals and homebrewers trust Dr. Chris White, who founded White Labs Yeast more than 15 years ago. And Jamil Zanishev is one of the most respected and most awarded homebrewers in history and co-author of Brewing Classic Styles with John Palmer. Visit Brewers Publications on Facebook for more information. Order your copy at shop.beertown.org or from the Brewing Network. Yeast, the practical guide to beer fermentation by two of the most trusted names in commercial and home brewing. Proudly available soon from Brewers Publications. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain or a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste to deliver Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, soda flavors, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer award-winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. Hey, well, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. And now, suck it, Tasty. All right, suck it, Tasty. Where's that girl's parents? I don't know. Probably out d- doing crack or something. It's more in the desert. Like usual. All right, for for six uh, U.S. gallons, uh, your anticipated uh, starting gravity is 10.52 or uh, 12.95 Play-Doh, just about 13 Play-Doh. Anticipated SRM using the Mori uh, color, 8.3. 
anticipated IBUs, 23.2. And that's just because there's these zero-minute additions, whirlpooling. When we do these, it's really confusing. He, he, yeah, he said it was 45 by recipe, so, right. or, or by measurement, I think. So. Right, and you, you, you get that because you do this hot whirlpool and you, you get more IBUs uh, than these formulas. Again, these formulas are just a wild guess for you. Uh, you know, in a way for you to be consistent with your own recipes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, your your base grain is uh, a British uh, pale ale malt, eighty uh, percent of it, four point three six kilograms. Ten uh, percent is a, a crystal fifteen point uh, fifty five uh, kilograms, three point three percent or uh, one hundred eighty grams of uh, carapels. And a 6.7% or 360 grams of a crystal uh, 20. And then we already gave the uh, hops, yeast, Y yeast uh, 1272, American Ale 2 yeast. Gives an, uh, attenuates well, it's fairly clean, gives a little bit of a, a fruity character that goes well with this beer. And uh, mash temp, 148 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, what else do we have there? Tasty is that? Well, you, that, maybe we got to give those any? hops again. Maybe people weren't expecting to. Right? Do you mind going through this one more time? All right. Seven grams of Cascade pellets, seven point five percent alpha acid, seventy-five minutes. Fourteen grams at thirty minutes. Thirty-four grams at ten minutes. And then the first zero-minute addition is forty-two and a half. And then the one for the after the whirlpool, I guess, is uh, forty-two and a half. And then the first dry hop is 57 grams. And then the second dry hop after how many days? Five, five days. days. I did five days cold. Uh, warm and five days cold. And is, uh, again, another 57 uh, grams of uh, Cascade pellets, uh, 7.5% alpha acid. And he uses soft water. Um, he adds a little uh, calcium chloride. Hot whirlpool, 20 minutes. Uh, dry hop twice. Starts to ferment at 18 degrees C, lets it rise to 21 degrees C, should finish around uh, 1.011. And then he uses the Baird's uh, Golden Promise British Pale Ale Malt, the Baird's Caramalt at uh, uh, 17 SRM uh, Wireman, Environment uh, Carapils, Thomas Fawcett Pale Crystal, and uh, all the hops are U.S. Cascade. Mm-hmm. So what else... Uh, uh, what are the thoughts you have about brewing this beer, Tasty, uh, as far as your process goes? Well, and things, yeah, things that were a little bit unusual for me were, were the, um, of course, the single hop. Uh, I did uh, do something I don't normally do this time is I didn't use hop sacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably, probably the only case where I probably should have because there was huh. so much hop material that I was putting in there. But I, I thought, well, why not? We'll just do it this way. And uh, it so just went sackless. Uh, it's one without the sacks. <laughs> it was a huh. free balling. So to speak. Anyway, uh, didn't seem to affect too much. Uh, one thing I might add is that um, at Flame Out, I did half of the fl- uh, half of the, uh, I guess the two ounces uh, of uh, Cascade, and then I uh, uh, whirlpooled, and then after ten minutes, I added the second charge of Cascade, and then at ten minutes after that, I uh, I, I chilled out. Mm-hmm. So uh, about twenty minute whirlpool total. Oh, when you mean chilled out, you mean it cooled the I wort. I cooled the wort to do my <laughs> exterior. Oh, you know, chill out. Firing one up I somewhere. Probably, I might have done that, too, but that, that's not in my notes. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> chill out. Yeah, I chilled out. That's right. I did chill out. I said, I'm going to sit back. When I do a 30-minute, I think I do go chill out, because it's such a long time. 30-minute whirlpool rest. 
What are you going to do? You know, I've already got it ready to go. What are you going to do? I don't know. I generally go like rub one out or something. Okay, now we do it the other 25 minutes. <laughs> You're 27. 27. <laughs> Clean up. Mm. Wash, Clean up. The, wash the <laughs> wall <right>. down. <laughs> <clears throat> you know things like that. Yeah, sure. Yes, you too could be a, f- a sponsor of this fine program. Yeah, yeah, you'll be proud to be associated <laughs> <Proud> with. <us. laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, it's an easy maker. There's a lot of hops. Uh, you know, yeah. deal with all that. It's pretty expensive, right? Because you're nine ounces for a six gallon batch is pretty. But hops are getting you know, a more reasonably price. Uh-huh. Probably much more reasonable to us than they are to uh, uh, people in Auckland, New Zealand. Right. Right. Yeah, he's using all yeah, uh, everything, all the ingredients, right? Yeah. Our British crystals and right, British British girl and golden US. promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. You know, he he believes in. Uh, it's clear speaking with him. He believes in in uh, not sparing any expense to brew the quality he wants to brew, wow. and how important it is to him to you know, source the right ingredients, do the right process, do everything right mm-hmm. to make the best beer. And he you know he has a real belief in. You can't cut any corners. Hmm. You have to, you know, produce. You have to do everything right to make a great beer. Right. And it was really interesting. <laughs> the amount of detail that he puts into these beers, you know, when the balance that occurs in the beer, one of the things he, you know, he's targeting for a bottle market. Hmm. And one of the things about the bottle beer is it's pasteurized. And he actually balances the beer by cutting back on the crystal just ever so slightly to allow for the pasteurization which adds a, a very slight kind of you know sweeter caramel oh. note almost after pasteurization huh. changes the beer just slightly hmm. you know a pasteurized beer versus a non-pasteurized beer it's going to be different well he's adjusting for that he's yeah he's, he's not just saying it's good enough he's like well the beer's different i need to adjust for that so mm-hmm. when, when it's packaged it tastes right so the balance is right so that's you know the the kind of attention to detail he puts into these things. So. Well, it's paying off. He's got statewide distribution. So yeah, 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 yeah. States, it, states. Here in here in the U.S., it's yeah. uh, brought in by Shelton Brothers, mm-hmm. and you go to the Shelton Brothers website, you can find distributors there. Just call the local distributor in your area for Shelton Brothers and mm-hmm. and ask them where where the beer is, mm-hmm. where you can get it, and uh, they can point you in the right direction. So Shelton Brothers. Uh, uh, SheltonBrothers.com or something. I don't know. Just Google it. Just Google it. That's that's the way I, I get all URLs nowadays. All right, we got any questions in the chat room? Or? No. <laughs> all right. I know. <laughs> way, way to go there, guys. They're uh, talking. They are talking about the beer. I, I guess one question that came through that, uh, was whether or not to use Biofine or filter. But it sounded like the only answer that was given was on Tasty's version that he filtered. And, mm-hmm. and were we not sure about the commercial version? Did you say whether or not he? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, and that's what I thought too. But that's the only thing I saw there. Just curious about that difference. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, another another great beer, another great uh, challenge, and congratulations to you, Tasty, for Thank knocking you. another one out of the park. Thank yeah. you. I always like yeah. to knock them out of the park. One of the reasons I'm not brewing, uh, you know, because God knows what I'd brew up wouldn't taste like this. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. But, uh. I don't know. I don't know. I thought that was great. I think thought you did a great job. And uh, another people, other other people that do a great job. Northern Brewer. Check them out. Northernbrewer.com. Check out uh, Grain and Grape. Uh, www.grainandgrape.com.au. Uh, check them out. If you're in Australia, New Zealand, uh, 
contact John Preston. Let him know you appreciate that he's sponsoring the show. See if you can uh, pick up something from, from those fine people. A lot of great grains he's got there. And uh, go to the, the Brewing Network store. Check out the Yeast Book from Chris White and myself. You can buy that sooner than you can get it just about anywhere else, and you'll get a sign. So uh, good stuff there. Anyways, uh, make sure you keep brewing and keep brewing strong. And often. 